You'll notice the language there was God breathed. And of course, God breath implies God has a what? Oh, now. See how all the images are there? All the anthropomorphic, all of these rich images. We're going to read this text here from Ezekiel. And we're going to focus especially on where he says, every word of my mouth. And then you're going to see that this word mouth comes up again a little bit later in the text. comes up several times. Uh, Ezekiel's not the one who uses it the most. It really, the mouth of the Lord um, is uh, it's very common in, uh, in, in uh, uh, 1st and 2nd Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. Very, very common. But you know who talks a lot about being the mouth of God, the Lord, or from the mouth of the Lord? Isaiah. Isaiah is one of his characteristic uh, expressions. Let's read this. Now, Ezekiel is being, he's, uh, he's being commissioned. He's being inaugurated. He's starting ministry. And God is giving him his charter. God is telling him what his ministry is going to be. So uh, we're going to read this about the watchman. We, 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 looked, we, we studied about what the watchman means uh, a couple weeks ago. So we'll read this together and then uh, and see what comes out of it for us. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 16 through 27, and then Matthew 5, 1 through 3. And at the end of seven days, the word of the I am came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life. That wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. <laughs> but if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you have not warned him, he shall die for his sin, and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning. And you will have delivered your soul. And the hand of the I am was upon me there. And he said to me, Arise, go out into the valley, and there I will speak with you. So I rose and went out into the valley. And behold, the glory of the I am stood there, like the glory that I had seen by the Chibar Canal. And I fell on my face. But the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And he spoke with me and said to me, Go shut yourself within your house. And you, O son of man, behold, Cords will be placed on you, and you will be bound with them, so you cannot go out among the people. And I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth, so you shall be mute and unable to reprove them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, the I am. He who will hear, let him hear. He who will refuse to hear, let him refuse they are a rebellious house. Seeing the crowds, this is about Jesus now, he went up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me pray. Father, I pray for a special blessing for me as your, as your, as your servant. Um, for each one of us, there are dark things in our hearts that we need you to speak to, dark places our hearts have been in our lives. There's the things about our marriages we don't share with anybody. There's the things we, that have happened that we, uh, we've never told anybody. A little bucket and barrel of pain comes in on Sunday mornings at times, deeply camouflaged. You know it. You know it about me. I pray for you to speak. I pray for words from your mouth. I pray it in Christ. Amen. All right. Now, you see, some people are laughing. If you know who Zaphod Beeblebrox is, then you know what this means. Again, some of you are like, what in the world are you talking about? Uh, if, you go, if you can do this right now if you're bored, type into Google. I'm dead serious. If you type into Google right now, search, and says, what is the meaning? What is the answer to life, the universe, and everything? Go ahead and type it in. Serious. Type it in you'll find that Google's first response is a calculator with this number in the, in the bar, right there, 42. Um, I remember the first time I read the book, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I strongly recommend you read, even if you don't like science fiction. Because it's such an odd, odd read. The Earth, our entire planet, is about to be destroyed because a bunch of bureaucratic idiot aliens uh, are about to mow it down for a highway coming through our solar system. A bypass, sorry, thank you. I'm being corrected by somebody who's even more geeky than I am. But Earth is a big computer designed to answer the question, what is the answer to life? the universe, and everything. And the big joke is, the answer to life, the universe, and everything is 42. 42. That's the answer. I remember as a kid, I was a little bit older than you, and, and, I, was, and I remember reading this, and I was like, what? I don't get it. I remember reading it, I was like, what? I don't get, how is the, what? I don't get it. 42? I don't get how 42 is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. And Douglas, this is what Douglas Adams is doing in his book. Like this to everybody, right? And he's speaking for a whole generation because it's a joke. There is no meaning to life, the universe, and everything, you knuckleheads. There is no meaning. You might as well pick a number. It just so happens, the funny thing about this number, 
for like, uh, you ever heard of magicians or mentalists or anything like that? This is the, one of the easiest numbers to force because of all the weird ways it convol convolutes with other numbers. So it's a fun number too. It's a magic square number. You can make a magic square that always creates it. But it doesn't matter. It's just a joke. And don't you get it? The question's a joke. Everything's a joke. It's all a joke. Um, so I think we miss the fact that when we talk about believing that the mouth of a God has spoken, 90% of the people we know think that's just a silly thing to think because there is no meaning possible. I'll give you an example of that. We were, I uh, got a chance that one of the churches that supports us most deeply is Preston Graham's church in uh, New York. You've meeting Preston last year. And Preston and his church, he pastors a church in Yale. Well, it's about um, just a few blocks away from Yale's campus. So we got a tour of Yale's campus. A lot of the people go to, study at Yale there. And we went into the Beinecke Library. The Beinecke Library is this wonderful, strange rectangle in which are, which are gathered some of the rarest manuscripts in history. And there's display cases there, and he made sure to show us around. He's very house-proud about, about Yale, and I don't blame him. It's a beautiful campus. And there in the corner is one of 21 copies in all of history. One of 21 copies left of the Gutenberg Bible. It's a display case about almost, almost like this big, uh, this big around. It's a big book, big, big book. It's the first Bible ever printed that people could just read with movable type. And it was the, it's the beginning of all of technological progress and the Reformation and all of the change of God's work in the world. And the Gutenberg Bible is open, one of only 21 copies left. Here's the comedy. You see the, you see the case, you see the book. You walk this far, and here's another display case. Right next to the Gutenberg Bible. In it were hanging a bunch of bras, a Lou Reed poster, and some slogan about modern art against power. Now, what are you saying when you put a Lou Reed poster next to the Gutenberg Bible in a display, in a display? When they are right, what are you saying? You do displays all the time, Ken. What are you saying when you put displays right next to each other? What are you saying? They're, this, they're equal. There's no, look, come, come on. And you know what? That's, that's what this generation's attitude is about what I'm doing right now, about the mouth of a God. They think it's silly. They think it's silly that you believe the Bible. Your friends think it's silly that you, you treasure these things. It's absurd. And, and the reason I'm so interested in talking about this today is because here I am, we're here taking a, we're nose to nose with a man named Ezekiel, this ancient prophet who's having these ancient visions, and he's a wild man, he's nutty, he's crazy, and he is saying, and you may not believe him, you may come here and say, look, I, I, find, this, I find this fantasy, uh, I find your fantasy, Chris, this fantasy that you're talking about, it stretches all credulity. I'm with Douglas Adams. I think the answer is closer to 42 than what Ezekiel says. But, and understand this at least, Ezekiel's claiming to speak with 
and of and for and from the mouth of a God. And that's what he's claiming. And I'm, I'm out of the gate. Um, this is a hard... I, I want to I I engage something here. I think some of us forget how hard it is for people around us in the world, here in the street, to understand us at all. Does that make sense? Like this, we're, we're, in, we're, just, we're talking two different languages. People are joking around about 42, and we're saying, the mouth of God. Wait, what? That's nutty. And the I, I, reason I want to say this is, I've gotten away from this. We, you know, we were talking about this. Uh, 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 McLaren and I have been doing an evangelistic study with a friend of his. And it was, it's, been, it's fun, right? Well, one of the books, one of the booklets I'd put forward was a careful, a careful, uh, uh, a careful analysis and defense of the historicity and antiquity and, 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 uh, and, uh, and uh, of the scriptures themselves. In other words, the copies, the 5,000 manuscripts, the P46, the, the AD1. I mean, it's amazing. There's all this huge amount of, uh, what do you call it, documentary evidence about the fact that we have the New Testament, and I get all excited about talking about it, and y'all get all excited as a Christian talking about it, and the whole time the person I'm talking to is going, 42, 42, 42, 42, 42. This is stupid, 42, 40. You don't, do you get what I'm saying here? We sometimes forget we're having a very different discussion with the world than the world is having with us. We're not on the same page. And we're not reading the same books. To them, the Gutenberg Bible and the Bible and what we're doing today, this is just an artifact. You know what they call an anthropology? A cultural artifact. It's something to study so you can understand culture's history. But it has no truth. It's silly. You guys believe in nursery nursery tales, fairy stories. But I think we missed something here. Um... We have a wonderful opportunity because Michael's not afraid to read the Bible. This generation, Bob's not afraid to read the Bible. You know why? Because it's just just a book. Next to the Lou Reed poster, who cares? Sure, I'll read it. And what we forget, and what, 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 what Ezekiel's teaching us, and what, if we're listening, we'll see, is that God, if God is a mouth, if God has a mouth in this powerful anthropomorphic way, I'll say it's more than that, if it's a mouth, then, then, then he is actively speaking. He is active in it. it. It's not static. Does that make sense? It's not merely like a words on a page. It's not merely uh, something written thousands of years ago. It's not merely something articulated to ancient Hebrew people or to a Greek. It is immediate, and it's personal, and it's intimate, and you see, we have a chance to ambush people all the time with this. I would say to you, one of the things I enjoy is getting people to read the Bible. Just read it with me, because a lot of, a lot of folks just have no, no sense of how much danger they're in, right, or what mouth they're going to meet. The mouth of God. I want to observe a few things and we'll, 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 be, we'll be done with this. But I was eager to talk about the mouth of God because you know what I'm afraid of? Not only, not only does this generation out there not get it, I'm afraid a lot of people in the church don't get it. 
Let's talk about the mouth of God. And as I intimated before, the mouth of the I am. Uh, and the first thing I said, it was, it is, uh, and I probably should pull my notes out here, but I'm just going to wing it. All right, so the first thing we notice is it's anthropomorphic. Now, anthropomorphic. There we go. Yeah. You can go impress people at work with that now. Impress your friends. I know. I know you're like, for real. You'd be more impressed with 42, probably. Um, anthropomorphic. All right, so what's going on in here? Um, it's kind of funny. My, my dad doesn't do baby talk. Uh, I didn't grow up. I mean, maybe my mom did. My dad does not do baby talk. I remember when my, uh, when, when my taking my boys to see my dad, and this is my dad seeing my son at the age of six months. Well, hello. How are you today? Are you doing okay? Uh, how are, uh, did you notice the moon is gibbous? I'm like, Dad, the baby doesn't get anything. You, what, what does gibbous even mean? It means the moon's not quite full. A little bit off. Um, God's not like that. He talks in ways that little kids can understand. He says, you have a mouth, I have a mouth. I'm, I want you to understand me. I want you to get it. I don't want you to miss it. Come close, come close, he says. Come close, come in. Let me explain it to you. It's like a little children's sermon. I have a mouth. Ezekiel's standing there. He's supposed to wait for everything that comes from his, my mouth. And then when I finally speak, I'll be in his mouth. And mouth and mouth and we'll talk. And that's the way I am, says the Lord. And so it's an anthropomorphic. It's really, it's what? It's metaphor. It's a metaphorical language. Now, the reason I start here, and the reason I want you to be here, is because Ezekiel, Ezekiel is 586 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Right? God is not merely talking baby talks, talk to kids, to talk to us, because we couldn't understand them otherwise. He's promising something. When Jesus sat down, what did he do in the Matthew 5 passage? What did he do? You see, it's not just a picture so you understand God. It's a promise from God that I'm going to be like you and send my son. And he's going to have a mouth. And that mouth's going to speak love. You see, it's not just a, a, literary, a literary device. It is a prophetic. It's not merely literary. It is literary. Oh gosh, I'm so bad at spelling. Literary, but it is prophetic. And it has this dual purpose in, and, and, and of anticipating and telling you about Jesus as the God with a mouth now. God with a mouth. And, and, and that scene, by the way, that scene that's described in Matthew 5, that scene going up on a mountain, that scene opening his mouth, that scene is Christ saying, I am the law-giving covenant Lord delivering my promises. I am the mouth of God. 
And that's what he's, that's what he's doing it's stylistically and literary. That's what Matthew's doing in that, in, that, in, that, in that document. He's actually styling it after Deuteronomy 6. And he's, it's really fun. He's actually structuring after Deuteronomic uh, structures. But Deuteronomy is where it says, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So all these literary, ancient literary uses and tropes have a prophetic anticipation that God would come in Jesus to preach and be loved. In fact, it's from the cross that the mouth of God says what? It's from the cross that the mouth of God whispers, croaks in pain, what? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, it's that mouth, that, and, 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 and as we're kind of like looking at it, as I'm thinking about it, this, this, ant, this idea of mouth ought to captivate us. The second sense that I want us to understand mouth is um, authority. Now, you'll notice, of course, that author, author has in it the, the, the word what? It's the beginning of the word what? Authority. And, of course, that becomes the, the nature of the whole watchman image. And God is saying, I am through you, Ezekiel. And he uses the language there. You noticed it in that verse. I, I hope you noticed it. You noticed it in that verse. But when I speak with you in verse 27, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them. There's another person he said that to. He said it to, he said to Moses. Moses said, I'm like, how am I going to go and talk to these people? And he, God says, I'm going to be in your mouth. And your mouth's going to be my mouth. And then Aaron's going to be a mouth for you, and you're going to, and, and nothing's going to be lost in transmission. And so there's a claim here. Here, I want you to do this. Everybody do this. Say these words. I'm going to, give you, I'm going to teach you a little Hebrew. Okay? Vayomer Yahweh. Go ahead. Vayomer Yahweh. Let's do it one more time. Yomer Yahweh. You just learned, it's either somewhere roughly, 5% of the Old Testament in Hebrew. You know what it means? And the Lord said. I am open to your rejection of the scriptures. I'm, 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 well, I'm candid with you. I'm open to that rejection. But please, I urge you, please, I compel you, please, I would say to you, don't tell me that they don't think, <laughs> the scriptures don't think in themselves that they are of their author and have his authority. I don't expect you to embrace my texts or my Bible, that's fine. But please, reject my Bible on its own terms. Does that make sense? Because it's claiming that what? Come from his mouth. To come from his mouth. To come from his mouth. One more thing I want you to see in the text, and, and uh, we see if we can get some encouragement after this. Look in verse 24. Um, but the Spirit entered into me. We've been looking at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's very active, very living, very alive in Ezekiel. And that's bittersweet to me because that's what I think we need so desperately in our church, in our time. But the Spirit entered into me, as we said, that's the only time that language is even used in the Old Testament, and set me on my feet, and he spoke. Now, what is the antecedent? What is the, uh, what is the immediate antecedent of he? Who's speaking? Is it Yahweh? Or is it what? It sounds like the Spirit. 
The text is completely oblique. This immediately, in terms of subject, verb, object, it is the spirit who is the immediate preceding antecedent of he. This is the second command. Go, shut yourself in the house, you son of man. I will make your tongue cling and all this stuff. So the third thing I wanted you to see here, so we have literary and prophetic images anthropomorphically bringing us God and telling us about Jesus and his love and the mouth of love, even from the cross, preaching love to sinners, preaching love, but also a mouth and authority, the author and his authority. But thirdly, that the mouth is a picture of the Spirit. It is the Spirit who's in the mouth. And this is where uh, it says in Newton in Numbers when it, describes, when it describes Moses, how special Moses is. He was a guy who talked to God. That's kind of funny. We, only, we use this language in CPR. Mouth to mouth. That's the language. Mouth to mouth. Mouth to mouth. I want, I want for you and I want to taste and I want to know, and I want to, as a watchman, as God's mouth in the, in the moment, a derived authority, as a watchman, to what? To draw you to the mouth of God with your mouth in love. To hear words of love for you personally. And that's the first application. I want you to set your eyes on the mouth of God. I cannot compel you to read your Bibles by taking a Bible and hitting you with it. If it would work, Stacy, I would do it. <laughs> um, in, in Atlanta, there was a woman, she was a grad student, and she was completely deaf, which is unusual, I found. Complete deaf. Complete deafness. So she sat. We had a big room. She would sit in the second row right there, and... And she wasn't afraid of being in the splash zone, as some of you have called it. Uh, she wasn't afraid of being up front because she knew, well, she just knew I was going to be nice to her. I mean, what am I going to, I can't, she's such a sweet woman. I'm sitting there, but it's what she said to me. You move around a lot, Chris. Please, if you can, try not to move around because I can't see your mouth. And if I can't see your mouth, I don't know what you're saying. Okay, fine, it's good, because I tend to, I'm, I like to move around. I like to flail and, and you know, and grab people, right? I'm, I'm going to grab you sooner or later. <laughs> you're, you're, I'm going to get you sooner or later. And then, but this was, was so, she, was, she, she attended St. Paul's for about two years before she got graduate work up in Boston. It was so strange to have somebody doing like this to you all the time. And she would lean forward in her chair, and she would just look. Like that, at my mouth. It was unsettling. As she got excited in the service, she would just lean forward, and she would just stare at my mouth, to, and like this, and, and then trying to follow me. and just That's what you should be like with every word that God has for you about your life, his love, his power, his presence, your holiness. I want us to become a people with our eyes and hearts trained on what? The mouth of God. Because he has so much for us, right? So much in his love and of his love for us. Train your heart on the mouth of God. 
Secondly, what's the second application about this? Submit to his authority. I, uh, boy, authority is a bad word. It is a bad word in my family because we're all rebels. It's a bad word in my generation. And it is uh, practically a four-letter word in San Francisco. Authority is bad. Right? You reject authority. Until you get it. The first time Christ mentions his authority, if you get it, he calls him, the first time he calls himself the son of man, the name of Ezekiel. If you get it, do you know what he says? So that you may know I have authority to what? Forgive sin. I say to you, get up and walk. There's a part of us that doesn't want to buckle under to a sense of God's claim to speak with his mouth and his authority in our lives. We don't like to hear the watchman tell us if we're wicked that we're being wicked and need to re- turn around. Or conversely, if we've been good and they just start to be wicked, we don't want to hear that we have to change. We don't want somebody as God speaking for God and condemning us. Because that's what the text says happens. But Ezekiel's coming after long after Isaiah. Long after what? And after every word over and over again. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be a scar. What does he say? To, what does he say to Isaiah and that we opened up with this text? You know what? I got a new name for you, Ken. You're my delight. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm going to call you new names out of my mouth. I'm so in, I, I'm so in love. I, and that authority is the first authority. Then that's where the authority that we need to rejoice in, right? Then that I have the opportunity as a, as a minister of the gospel here at the table of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to proclaim forgiveness for sinners, transformation for the wretched, new life for the dead, new hope for the hopeless, and all these wonderful things that pour out of the mouth of God all over His, all over His Scripture. And that authority is, the, is so blessed and beautiful. Right? That's, a, that's the authority we want. I was thinking of, there is an authority though. The third op, so the first point, the first application was fix your eyes on the mouth of God and its every movement. Second, know his authority and cherish his authority because it's an authority to forgive you. It's an authority to pro- proclaim transformation over you and our whole city. But third, it's also a word to convict. And look for the mouth of God to convict. Pray for the mouth of God to convict you. Pray that I, as a watchman, will be able to issue warnings if need be. And you and I, or maybe, you'll, maybe Scott, you'll be a warning me at some point, right? Because we'll be warning each other. And we'll be watchmen over each other. Mouths of God together. And as mouths of God together speaking life, speaking joy, speaking promise, we're also speaking what? Warning and breaking through. And it does need to break through in this generation, doesn't it? The voice of God needs to break through. There's a wonderful story. None of us are old enough. No, not one of us. 
well, can remember where we were when JFK was shot. My mom did. I mean, people that generation, they'll tell you. They were doing dishes. They were in a meeting. They were in a car. They were... They, they, they remember when JFK, the moment it happened, they, they, were, they know where they were. That moment's crystallized. So David Lodge, a writer, a British writer, was sitting watching one of his reviews, satirical review at night, watching the show. And in the show, it was a comedy show, and, and uh, the, there's this irreverent banter going back between these two characters, and the one guy's being interviewed, takes a transistor radio, and ignores the interviewer and clicks it on to pretend like he's not listening. And David Lodge is watching his play being played. The actor clicks on the radio, and the first thing that comes out is, breaking news flash, John F. Kennedy was assassinated today in Texas. And he tried to, he fumbled to get it off, but the play was ruined, right? 1963, on the stage in London, the play with the satirical game and the review was, was, was busted. Don't you and I need that? Some of us need the mouth of God to break through the play we're, with the play we're in, the, the game we're in of life. The 42. Let's pray for that conviction today. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy tells you that the answer to life, the universe, and everything is 42. 42. But do you know what I love about that book, The Hitchhiker's Guide? I wish I had a copy of the actual Hitchhiker's Guide. Because do you know what's on the cover in big friendly letters? In every copy of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy... And every copy, the book is about another book, and that's the whole joke. There's another book involved. And there's actually a book called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that the characters used in order to get around the galaxy. It's a bigger hit than, uh, than uh, all, any other book in the history of the galaxy. And uh, in big friendly letters of every copy, you know what it says in the front? Don't panic. I wouldn't mind actually having that on the front of my Bible. And that is God's word to sinners as we come to the table and his word of rescue. Don't panic. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let's pray. God, you're good. God, you're kind. My God, you are so sweet to me. My eyes are straining focused, kind of looking at your mouth. Will you, will you frown or smile? What are you going to say? What will you say to us? And you have said here in the table that you, are, you have nothing but love for sinners who have turned away from their sin to your righteousness. That, that those who have heeded the warning or those who have heard the promise and have heard forgiveness from the cross from the mouth of your Son and His blood can be forgiven of sins. Father, Make me your mouth. Make my brother McLaren your mouth, Madeline your mouth. Make us your mouthpieces for this story and this truth. Father, teach us how to look to your mouth. Speak new words of life and burst in where we need conviction to wake up and to wake up to the reality of life. But speak, speak, Father, so your children can listen. 
Speak and make us able to hear. Speak by the Spirit with intimate love. Break through, Father, with your own mouth. Make this our little church on your mouth for your city. Not just us, but others. Father, Father, be good to us and speak love to us today in Christ. Amen. Amen.